Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock. Happy Friday afternoon to you. Happy Friday evening. Uh, we have a fantastic, awesome show uh, planned today. Uh, we'll head out to Washington, D.C. and bring in the smartest man on the show, Professor Delano. We'll do that early. Uh, we'll also head out to Los Angeles and bring in T.J. Hushmanzada, talk some NFL football. Uh, Uncle Jimmy uh, has something special planned uh, for us at the end of the show. But if you hear any somberness in my voice right now, the, the tone isn't right, it's we're about to lay somebody down. And uh, I don't do this lightly when I decide to uh, put somebody in a vacant, as they like to say in the wire. I don't do it lightly when, <laughs> when I call for the ski mask and it's time to ride. Uh, I don't fired up to six four, man. Yeah, I, I don't do it lightly, and right. and I don't do it without uh, any sympathy for the soon to be deceased. But uh, I'm about to kill Joy Reid's career right now. Oh my God! Uh, <laughs> Jeez! I'm gonna start a fire. And Jim, Sweet black I don't, baby Jesus, I know what you're thinking right Don't now. bring a fire extinguisher. Uh, come get you some licks when I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> and Delano, if you out there, come get you some too. Oh, not Delano if, too. Uh, if you want to be a part of this group, <laughs> you got to do the work that we do. That movie with the, with the little dolls in it, Tales from the Hood. <laughs> Tales from the Crip? Tales, Tales from the Crip. Yeah. So you, you gonna make us? We, we, we to Call me the Undertaker today. All right, <clears throat> the Alphabet Mafia. It owns Joy Reid, the Black MSNBC cultural overseer at the Rachel Maddow Plantation. Soldiers in the alternate lifestyle wing of the BLM LGBTQ plus Alphabet Mafia captured Joy Reid four years ago when a Twitter user unearthed her homo-hostile blog post from the late 2000s. Massa Maddow and the other heads of the Alphabet Mafia families, including Don Obama, Don Pelosi, Don Soros, and the Don of all Dons, Xi Jinping. Yeah, they made Reed an offer she couldn't refuse. They threatened to chop off her TV career if she maintained the belief she developed as a Christian. After initially claiming a hacker framed her as a believer, Reed eventually disavowed her religious upbringing and admitted that membership in the MSNBC occult was too lucrative to justify hanging on to outdated moral codes. She packed her bags and moved into Massa Maddow's big house, landing a coveted time slot in the important role of overseeing black culture and thought. Reed is a giant symbol of the rewards awaiting black women and their male idolaters for abandoning their religious views in favor of evangelizing for the Democratic Party and the Alphabet Mafia. Joy Reed has no discernible broadcasting skill. Broken glass is smoother than her delivery. Her ideas and point of view are Twitter deep. Al Sharpton has better hair than the endless array of weaves Reed has imported from Xi 
Jinping's private stock. Joy Reid earns a seven-figure salary and talks to America during prime time. No wonder women have all lost respect for all men. Can't you envision Joy Reid, Jamel Hill, and Don Lemon on a girl's night out laughing at Judas? Jim, there's a girl. Judas settled for 30 pieces of silver. That's laughable. I got the real bag. If you're going to sell out, you got to get the bag for real, for real. For real, for real? That's the kind of conversation. Seriously, they, they sit around laughing. I'm, I'm listening to you, baby. Joy Reid don't have a lick of talent in making millions of dollars. Judas got all sold out for cheap, 30 pieces of silver compared to the kind of deals that are getting cut today. I bring all this up because this week, Joy Reid has had to earn her salary. There's trouble in the big house. The rapper and singer Nicki Minaj disobeyed the commission. She publicly expressed vaccine hesitancy, which pissed off the Don of all Dons and the other heads of the Great Reset families. Via Pravda, I mean Twitter, Minaj shared a story about a man allegedly having a bad reaction to the vaccine. His testicles allegedly swelled. He became impotent and his fiance dumped him. This all allegedly happened in Trinidad, where Minaj's family hails. Minaj said she still, she's still researching and debating whether to get the vaccine. She advised her 22 million followers to pray and make sure they're comfortable with their vaccine decision and not bullied. It's an extremely responsible, reasonable position to take. Unless you're a member of the Hollywood occult and alphabet mafia. Occult members are instructed to avoid thinking and prayer. They're told to follow and obey. The commission ordered Reed to lash Minaj in front of other occult members. On Tuesday, Reed promptly attacked Minaj on MSNBC. Minaj fired back via social media, setting off a week-long war that included air support from Fox News host Tucker Carlson, Team Nikki, and CNN's Don Lemon, Team Joy, and Comedy Central's Trevor Noah, Team Joy. Carlson's support of Minaj sparked the typical alphabet mafia response. Carlson's racist, and if a racist says water is wet, then water is really dry. Minaj, to my surprise, stood firm, tweeting, right, I can't speak to, agree with, even look at someone from a particular political party. People aren't human anymore. If you're black and a Democrat tells you to shove marbles up your ass, you simply have to. If another party tells you to look out for that bus, stand there and get hit. Last night, from the front porch of Massimato's big house, Reed blasted Minaj for garnering the backing of conservative pundits. Reed labeled Carlson and The Daily Wire's Ben Shapiro as anti-vax right-wing bomb throwers. I believe Carlson is vaccinated. Shapiro is a strong proponent of the vaccine. Reed has been instructed to frame anyone who is hesitant about mandating the vaccine as a racist Trump supporter. Reed doesn't think. She does what she's told. She's owned by the alphabet mafia. The fact that black people, the most obedient members of the Democratic Party, are America's most vaccine hesitant 
gets lost on Joy Reid. She took to the airwaves Thursday night and ranted about how Carlson and Shapiro are using Minaj the way Massa Maddow uses Reed. But what people like Tuckums and the Ben Shapiro's and other right-wing bomb throwers want is not Nicki Minaj to have free speech. What they want is a vehicle to drag as many of her fans into their anti-vax camp as they can. They need and crave authentic members of the culture, hip-hop culture. Let's just be clear. They look down on that culture and hate that culture and would never, ever, ever support someone like Nicki Minaj other than to pull her onto their team. Case in point, Laura Ingraham once criticized President Obama for just meeting with Ms. Minaj, citing the profanity in her lyrics. But they need her right now. And let's not forget the freak out the right had over the WAP lyrics by Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion or Little Nas X for giving the devil a lap dance in a music video. The right has no use for people in the culture until they're useful for the purposes of hurting people in the culture. Jim, that her defense or her attack on Nicki Minaj or her attack on Tucker Cross, oh, the culture, and they only need the culture. She's defending this culture. This is a grown woman, allegedly Ivy League educated, at one time, she professed to be some sort of Christian before any of this craziness. And here she is, little nasty X-rated, the rapper. He built a following among young children with the song Old Town Road. He's now making music videos featuring prison sex, prison shower scenes, and descending to hell to ride the devil's rod. And Joy Reid is on national TV proclaiming it a culture worth defending? Somebody help me out here. I mean, I mean, she's on TV defending this and little Nas X, this is somehow, somehow giving him the devil a lap dance in a video when your following is built around kids. This woman at one point espoused some religious Christian views. And now she's on national TV as if Little Nas X is descending into hell to give the devil a lap dance is somehow something worthy of defense. And oh my God, I can't believe these white people objected to this. That's, that's a, a defense of Tucker Carlson. Anybody with a brain would object to this. Anybody with any moral fiber would object, object to this. But not a high priestess in a satanic cult, that's what Joy Reid is. She went from homo hostile blog post to Jesus, a Jesus hostile television show. Jim, I hope it's worth the money, because that's selling out. Ouch. Um, you know, the way she's talking, we're going to end up putting a picture of Lil Nas X up there on that wall. <laughs> Honestly, man, I, that took everything I had to do. Like, Cause I mean, I hadn't heard that. And I wanted to say, did she really say that? I mean, it's one thing, but did, did she really defend this dude? And anybody that objects to it isn't down with the culture. And that, that's- Whose culture? Thank you. No, no, I mean, seriously. Cause I mean, I, I'm, I think I'm down with culture. I'm, I try to be down with my culture. What culture is that, man? 
I, 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 I got to say, Jim, and we're about to roll out to D.C. and bring in Delano, but I, I'm, I'm so proud of Nicki Minaj. And that's not, and this morning, yesterday, earlier this week, I know for sure this morning, I listened to some of her music just to refresh my memory. And, and you know, I, I can't say I'm a big fan of her music, but I'm a big fan of the fact she thinks for herself. And unlike a lot of these dudes out here, she's got the balls, for lack of a better description, to stand up for what she believes in and not back down. And, and it's about time some of these uh, Hollywood influencers showed a pair and said what they really think. We didn't go all off into everything she said, but she talked about like 80% of the entertainers that she's friends with and deals with, they all agree with her on this vaccine thing. They got some questions they won't ask before they just inject something in their body. A lot of people have that. And, and to get trashed over that, this woman did not tell anybody not to get the vaccine. She said, do your research and don't get bullied into doing something. Make sure you're comfortable with that decision. That, that's perfectly rational, responsible, reasonable thought. But because Joy Reid is bought and paid for and a member of the big house, the MSNBC, Rachel Maddow big house, she can't think Land for Ridge. herself. The can't, yeah. Can I ask you a question, Jason? Yeah. Can, can, can I ask you a question? Um, You said, uh, never mind, go ahead. I don't even want to say it because it's going to make, go ahead. Go ahead. Let's bring Delano in. Yeah, bring Delano in. I want to show a little discipline. That's some good discipline on your part. You actually, <laughs> that's the first time I think ever on this show you didn't say I was going to ask a question about Nicki Minaj's comments about the marbles. <laughs> you almost made it. The, we, I'm glad you didn't do it because we're about to bring the smartest man in the show. I don't want you to dirty it up. P.E. P.E. P.D. Professor Delano, P.E. P.E. is public enemy. Delano, uh, you have any thoughts on Joy Reid and the Nicki Minaj dust up? Uh, where do you come down on this? It, it's so interesting that um, the left, who reacted so strongly a few years ago when Laura Ingram basically told LeBron James to shut up and dribble, right? She wanted him mm. to stick to his lane and, and not get into political commentary. And the left defended him and attacked her. But now they have their own version, which is shut up and rap. So when Nicki Minaj <laughs> dares to question the narrative, the message, or however we want to frame it, you, we see how viciously they react to her. The irony is that when black folk, whether conservatives or socially conscious liberals, point to the impact that some of these rappers and the excesses of hip hop culture have on our communities and particularly our young people, the response from the Joy Reads of the world is always, well, it's parents' responsibility to raise their children. But apparently when it comes to the vaccine, it's the responsibility of artists to, to, to ensure that, you know, the, the older people in our community, right, or black people in general, it's their responsibility to make sure that, that black folks get the jab. So to, to me, the hypocrisy is stunning. And as you said, um, Jason, I stand with people who question and criticize the, the, the artistry and the content, whether it's Nicki Minaj, Cardi B, 
Lil Nas X, Snoop Dogg. It's not that I dislike these people personally. I just know that they have a tremendous amount of influence and the direction in which they're influencing, particularly our young people, who oftentimes lack parental supervision and some of the other you know, protective factors that um, enable them to consume this content without trying to live it out. Mm-hmm. But, but again, it's, it's so interesting that you know, when you question their content, the liberals push back on you. But when these artists speak for themselves, and it's not just Nicki Minaj, Busta Rhymes said something similar a couple weeks ago. He was at a concert, he was telling the audience, you know, it's good to be back with you all. He said something to the effect of, you know, forget about, he used different language, but forget about these masks. I'm tired of these masks. You know, we need to realize we have liberty and freedom. And, and who responded to him and did a whole video? Roland Martin, who wanted to check Busta Rhymes and, and set him straight and, and you know, talk about vaccine hesitancy and all these other things. But again, these people will never criticize these artists for the things that they actually say, the actual content, only when they, when they threaten to upset the, the democratic narrative. The, uh, <laughs> I, 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 I was slightly distracted, I'm just keeping it real, when you were talking. I liked how you brought up Roland Martin because I read your column uh, today. Mm -hmm. And again, I think there's great synergy a lot of times between the things I write, the things you're writing. It's like we move at the same beat and and swim in the same lane. And and I I see Roland Martin, Joy Reid. I see they're the same, their job is to police the thought of black people. And it's not to police the thought so that black people experience more freedom, experience more success. It, it's, are you aligned and obedient to the Democratic Party? That's yes. their only job. And it has nothing to do with the welfare concern of black people. This, there's this myth out there that if you're perfectly aligned with the Democratic Party, that means you're perfectly aligned with black people and the welfare of black people. And I'm sorry, it's just not true. And, and I, I, I see, and I make the argument, and, and it was somewhat a humorous analogy, but it's totally serious. You can't, Joy Reid can't keep her job if she moves off of one Democratic talking point, if she moves Mm -hmm. off of one LGBT talking point, if she moves off of one BLM talking point, she is done and she knows that. And what drives me crazy is, I don't think it's what she truly believes. I certainly don't think it's consistent with what she used to believe and the way that she was raised, but she's done all this just to protect the bag or the paycheck. And so Mm. maybe her values are in alignment with the culture, the hip hop culture, because money justifies any and everything. And and, and that's the way it seems with a lot of these people. Um, You mentioned Joy Reid, I mentioned Roland Martin, same thing, you know, Mark Lamont Hill, Don Lemon, Bakari Sellers, Trevor Noah, um, outlets like The Root, The Griot, Black News Channel, um, they, they, they never want to um, invite rigorous debate, substantive con- conversation on policy issues so that their black audience can hear 
multiple sides of a particular issue, right? Um, it's always continuing to, to hammer home, you know, left-wing talking points. And as you said, you know, for, for Joy Reid, she had her issue with um, the LGBT community a couple years ago when she had her blog post for Unearth. And as I said, Roland Martin had a similar issue nine years ago during the Super Bowl. He, he tweeted a joke um, after, I think it was an H&M commercial in which David Beckham was, you know, in his, in his underwear. And he said something to the effect of, if you have guys at your Super Bowl party who are cheering that on, you need to smack them. And GLAAD and other LGBT organizations ran him down, right? They, they, they caught up to him in the streets. They made him apologize. He did the apology tour. And now when you fast forward to, to last year, right, when he's talking to BLM, he never asked them, you know, why, why are you against the nuclear family, right? Why, why would an organization that's supposed to be for black people be against the nuclear family? Instead, he's asking them about um, LGBT issues and intersectionality. So these people are both morally compromised and, and oftentimes, you know, politically inept. All they do is function as democratic operatives to keep black folks in line. And, and they are the middlemen between the, the abusive relationship that the Democratic Party has with um, the black masses. And, and they are the ones that function to, to keep us in the house. Now, and Jason, you, as you said, our, our, our columns today were perfectly in sync. Um, I use a slightly different analogy and I say that I'm not always for the, the, the slavery analogy for a number of different reasons. I, I get it and I understand why people use it. And I think to some respect, Democrats act like they own us, right? They be, their behavior is uh, similar to what a person would, uh, similar to how a person would act if someone or something that they own strays too far. But I actually um, use a different analogy, which is one of an abusive relationship. And, and I'm, I'm thinking of, you know, pick a Tyler Perry movie, right? You see the, the antagonist, he comes to the door, the, the woman is packing the stuff, she's getting ready to leave, and here he is, he's in his wife beta, he says, come back here, you can't leave me, ain't nobody gonna love you the way I love you. That's how Democrats think and talk to black folk, right? As soon as they think somebody may be influencing us to question part of their narrative, to question the degree to which the Democratic Party um, and the feelings of, of white liberals constitute the, the, the center of the black orbit, the moment they feel like that, those things are being questioned, the dogs come out. They'll say, you know, black men, they voted for Trump because they hate black women, because they want to be part of the white power structure. They'll say anything they can to keep us in line. And as you said, Nicki Minaj noted the fact that many other artists think about COVID and the vaccine the same way she does. They just don't want to say it publicly. And, and that's one of the big problems. And that's why I'm actually encouraged to see the fact that some of the people leading the, the exodus from, from the Democratic House, however you want to characterize that house, are black men, partly because it would be one of the first movements that black men have led in, in, in quite some time. And partly because we're at a point now where we need lions, not house cats. And too many of our men are sitting there on the porch, spayed, neutered, docile, and perfectly uh, uh, content to eat out of the master's hand. And that's why I, I, I wanna see more people 
whether it's COVID or any, any other issue, right? I wanna see more people and particularly men start to say, you know what? These people say that they're serving us, but they don't serve our interests. And the black folk who act as their middlemen, who say, who, who, who literally dance for them, right? Um, who, who say, oh, what do you carry in your bag? And, and Hillary Clinton says, hot sauce. And, and Charlemagne, the guy from the Breakfast Club says, um, you know they're gonna accuse you of pandering. And then Hillary Clinton says to an, with an awkward laugh, well, is it working? This is the type of, of leadership that we get from the black elite. So, so when you write, Jason, and when I write, and it seems as if we are utterly disgusted with their behavior, it's because we are. And I'm, and I'm tired of it. I want substance in our community. Not this person wears Converse, this person likes a particular brand of uh, barbecue sauce, this person plays the saxophone, this person smoked reefer in college and listened to Tupac, all of that. Is, is superficial representation and, and cultural affirmation for people who, who really, if, you, if, you, if we really wanna go there, and I think today's the day where we should, a lot of us have, um, how do I say this? Low cultural esteem. That's why whenever we talk about things to, to move the black community forward, we always pivot back to what white people think. And, I, and I'm going to end here So, mm. I was in the barbershop last <laughs> night, right? Talking to some of the guys in the shop. And, you know, we're we talking freely. We got all sorts of guys. We got guys who profess to be Christian. We got guys in fraternities. We got b- black Hebrew Israelites. We got black nationalists. We got all sorts of guys. And every time we talked about an issue related to the black community, and if I brought up family, somebody else responded with, well, they won't let us do X, Y, and Z. They won't let us be free. And, I, and I, so at one point I asked the guys, I'm like, look, you, you got the picture of a lion on your smock, right? The lion of Judah. Why is it every time I ask you about us, you respond to me with they? Again, are we lions or are we house cats? And at some point, the black masses and particularly black men are going to need to answer that question. Woo! Mm. Uh... Yeah, we certainly have to answer that question. I, I want to. One of the things I loved about your analogy in your column, as it relates to the abusive relationship, and I got no problem with the slavery analogy. Obviously, I made it. I think it's. I think it's appropriate. But mm-hmm. the abusive relationship works just as well, because when a guy or a girl is in a manipulative relationship. When, when, and I can relate to it as a guy, you sitting there, you talk to your friends, they running game, and they got two, three, four other women, blah, blah, blah. And then someone, their mama, their girlfriend, or somebody will be like, girl, you know he's playing you. You, you know he really, he ain't planning on putting a ring on you. He ain't planning on, he, he's not taking this relationship serious. And then the dude will come back and say, she only saying that because she ain't got nobody. Mm-hmm. If, she, if she had somebody, she wouldn't be worried about what I'm doing and what we doing. <laughs> and literally, that's like when I try to talk to people about politics and, and, and I say, hey, look, I think you're going overboard with this Democrat stuff. Look at all the values you got to be- betray and, you know, you can't stick to and blah, blah, blah. That people look at me <laughs> just because you don't vote. 
and you ain't got nobody. You trying to tell me. Trying to mess up our good thing. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, nah, you would be better off out here solo, like mm-hmm. me, a complete free agent, than locked in an abusive relationship where you're being used. And no one, you're not positioning yourself even for the next relationship so that you could, you're limiting yourself from getting involved in a healthy relationship because you're stuck in this bad, abusive one where you're being taken advantage of and, and, and there's zero respect for you. Mm. That's my, there is zero respect for us. Again, if Hillary Clinton had any respect for, for Roland Martin, or if even if Roland Martin's wife had respect for him or somebody in that audience mm. had respect for him, somebody would have stood up and said, I almost said the N-word. <laughs> <laughs> but somebody would have told him, what the hell are you doing, man? Come on, this tap dancing. This is on tape. You ain't dancing in front of this white woman. You a grown-ass man. I don't care if she's running for president. His wife, somebody in that audience, Hillary Clinton should have told him, like, hey, man, <laughs> it's a bad look. You're a grown man. And, and, and what really drives me crazy and why I put Roland Martin in the same box as, as, as Joy Reid, Roland Martin's wife is supposed to be some sort of minister. He's supposed to have some kind of Christian worldview. And, and for politics and a paycheck, He'll throw it all out the window and be the house cat or the pussy cat that, that, Delano's, talk, that Delano's talking about. Ain't no lying in him. You mm-hmm. sitting up on national TV and what, was that 2016, 2015? Tap mm-hmm. dancing for a white woman like you Fiddler in, 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 in Ruth? Fiddler rolled over in his grave and was like, damn man, I died so you wouldn't have to do that. These people, no backbone, mm. no soul. And it's, you know, it's just like, Jim, when we talk on Wednesdays, or, or maybe it was in one of your, no, it was in one of your Bible stories, Jim. This is what the Bible talks about, <laughs> like when the devil says, no, I can get them all to deny you. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that, that's what I see. For politics, we will deny God and Jesus and everything we're taught in the church for politics. Mm-hmm. All of us. And it's, yep. it's because we can't take the slings and arrows from these clowns like uh, Roland Martin and, and Joy Reid. And they're going to oh, they're going to call you Uncle Tom. And I can care less. Jim, you've been biting. No, I, I, it's not even an issue of biting my tongue. You, you both made the analogy of slavery. And I was just wanting to ask if I could take it a little bit further from slavery to say that even after you go there, are you familiar with the Stockholm Syndrome? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> hmm? Yep, it's not a bad yep. I mean, because a lot of our people suffer from the Stockholm Syndrome. You know, we've been, you know, we done been fed this bag of goods so long, you know, we starting to feel sorry for Massa. You know? I mean, it really, you know, ooh, you, you, you start to gain, you start feeling... For your, for your oppressor. Is Joy Reid, we sick, boss? That's what she's, she's saying at the Rachel. Yeah, but but right Joy Reid's upset right now. Joy Reid, is we going to let Nicki Minaj sleep on the good sheets? <laughs> <laughs> huh? 
We better not serve no white cake. I know that much. <laughs> mm. <sighs> but Delano, I, I, I was my point about Roland Martin, and I believe he has some Christian faith or purports to. Uh, Joy Reid at one point. I'm just amazed, and and I wouldn't say amazed, but I'm shocked and disappointed just how. And it's not about being hostile to the LGBT community. It's about saying, okay, that's their issue. I don't need to be the, because that doesn't need to take precedent over my issues. And that's Mm. what drives me crazy is like, they're going to do more to support and make sure that everybody knows I'm on board with the LGBT thing than than any sacrifice they'll make for the advancement of black people. That's what disappoints me. And and I think- um, Who gets hacked? Hold up, hold up. I'm sorry, sorry, Delano. Go ahead, D. No, I I was just gonna say, I mean, I, I think there's a way, there's definitely a way for them to say, you know what, uh, members of the LGBT community are citizens just like anyone else. They have the same constitutional protections as anyone else, right? Um, and they they should not be discriminated against. I mean, actual discrimination. I'm not saying they, they should not be, their, their um, beliefs or behavior should not be questioned. I'm saying they should not be turned away from a hospital or denied a job um, just because, you know, they are gay or, or lesbian or, or transgender, right? I think it's, it's, you know, black political leaders can say that, but what ends up happening is that the, the priorities of the masses end up getting um, pushed to the side. And, and I brought up this example when I talked about the nuclear family, right? BLM, if you look at any, all of their principles, their 13 original principles, um, none of them mentioned the words police or violence. They never mentioned the word father or husband once. They talked about being queer affirming, transgender affirming. Um, they talked about all different types of things. So it was clear that their focus was on the priorities of the LGBT community. But they used high profile police shootings as a Trojan horse to make black folk think that they were really concerned about police violence in order to further a particular agenda. So that's why when black media members never asked them, well, why are you opposed to the nuclear family? It irritated me so much because all of our children come from the the union between a man and a woman, whether those two people are married or not, that's where kids come from. But we couldn't even get that question out because as I said, our leaders are so compromised, the black elite particularly the, the black leftist elite is compromised. I'm gonna give you a couple of tangible examples. I want the listeners and the audience to, to hear this and understand what I'm saying. A couple of weeks ago when, when Texas passed the abortion law, again, Roland Martin had some guests on his show. One of them is named Dr. Greg Carr, right? He's the chair of Howard's uh, Department of Afro-American Studies. He compared women who would leave Texas to go seek an abortion in the wake of this law to slaves who fled um, slavery, right? They fled north on the Underground Railroad for freedom. Now, what type of twisted mindset would you need to have 
to say that a, a, a law that would ban the vast majority of abortions, which would also mean that many, many more black children will be born, is an act of white supremacy. And that the people who, who flee the state to seek abortions are acting in the spirit of, of some of our great uh, racial justice champions, right? This is, this is the type of, of quality of leader that we have in the black community. Or people like Cori Bush, Congresswoman from St. Louis. She represents an area where 44% of the population is black and 92% of the homicide victims are black. And what's her response? To defund the police. Apparently, she wants to defund the police for her constituents so that she can hire them for a private security team. Because the reports show she just spent about $70,000 over the course of two months for her own security. So when she gets on TV and says, I believe in defunding the police, her constituents should know what her priorities are. But instead, we get our black outlets who run cover for these people. They say the same, they parrot the same message, even though people like Cori Bush and Patrice Cullors and Colin Kaepernick and all these other people who talk about abolishing and defunding the police live in nice, oftentimes lily white neighborhoods where they don't have to worry about bullets piercing the window. But we're the ones who bear the brunt of the homicide spikes in our city. So it's, it's, it's those, it's, it's family, it's crime, it's education. I mentioned Roland Martin and, and Hillary Clinton at, at that town hall, right? He asked her a question about school choice. She gave some boilerplate answer, you know, about more resources for public schools. But the truth of the matter is, the Clintons and the Obamas would never send their children to underperforming public schools. And the only time their kids would even set foot in those schools is to do community service projects. But they have no problem consigning our children to schools where, where less than 5% of the kids can read or do math at grade level. And these are the people that we're supposed to believe are serving our interests. So you're right, Jason, when people say, oh, the, the black conservatives, they're Toms and they're Coons and they, I'll take all of that. Because my, my mission, uh, I, I, I tweeted a, a video of um, uh, Reginald, I think it's Reg, is it Reginald Dutton? Rock, the, the, the show Rock, you know, that mm -hmm. was on TV for a number of years ago. And the scene, the iconic scene where he confronted a drug dealer and he grabbed him by the collar yeah. and he said, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna be in your face until I basically till I get you out of here. Even if it's the last thing I do, even if it kills me, that's the mission I'm on. Cause again, I don't want 20 years to go by and these people still have black folks literally voting against their interests. They, they sit in gated communities where all now, where all of the law enforcement are to protect them while we have to deal with um, bullets whizzing by on, on, on the street corner, you know, in the middle of the day. So. I think what, what, whatever analogy you use, that relationship dynamic is there sitting, you know, uh, looking at us squarely in the face. And it's about time that we address it. I, I, I want to summarize your abortion point by saying that we've created a culture where wealth is far more important than life. Mm. And so people are, <laughs> you know, if you can't afford Right. Uh, a house with a two and three car garage and all that other stuff. You better kill that baby. Oh, because, you know, if you ain't got wealth, what life isn't worth living. And mm -hmm. that, <laughs> that I just don't think you got God, athletes saying that. Yeah, I don't think God uh, believes in that. The, the, the last thing I want to do, Delano, because you, you brought it up, but I want you to expound on it. Low cultural self-esteem. 
Mm -hmm. What do you mean by that? What what I mean is is fairly simple. Um, Even though there are many members of what I'll call the the black leadership class, the talented 10th, right? Oftentimes college educated, oftentimes at, you know, prestigious colleges and, you know, whether prestigious HBCUs or predominantly white institutions, Ivy Leagues, all those schools who walk around talking about how proud they are to be black. Everything that they talk about is black. Blackity black, black, black. Black of the, the, the black of the berry, the sweet of the, all, all, their whole identity is shaped around race. But the minute they think that a white person may not like Beyonce, may not want to date black women, they completely fall apart. And what that tells me is they are not as confident as they say they are because their uh, uh, self-image and self-esteem is contingent on their belief that they are accepted by white people, which is why you saw so many of them begging to be affirmed during Black Lives Matter. You must say that Black Lives Matter. And then when they got some, some guilty white folk, right, who, who lack any self-respect or self-awareness to, to mimic those words, to, to literally bend the knee, sometimes to, you know, to, to grovel at their feet, you would see the, the tears of, 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 of pride uh, running down their face. And that to me is the behavior of someone who doesn't know who they are. And in the same way, men, and I'm gonna be specific here, there are men that can smell an insecure woman from a mile away. When you bring a, a cup of coffee, right, as coworkers, and she says, oh my goodness, this is the sweetest thing anybody's ever done to me. A real hunter knows, oh yeah, I got one. Because if that's the nicest thing anybody's done to her, that means that she's lacking in a lot of areas. And when white folks see black people who know that we are so desperately desirous to be accepted and loved and affirmed by them, people we don't, we don't know, right? If you live in Philadelphia, what does it matter what somebody in Wisconsin thinks of you? What does it matter what Robin DiAngelo Tim Wise, Jane Elliott, any of these, these white anti-racist uh, activists think about you. But we hang our hat on that. Because as I said, for as much talk as we, we give about uh, black racial pride, unless we believe that white people are affirming us, there's a part of us that will never be whole. And, and mo- most people don't want to, to touch that. I don't even think most people are aware of it. But that's why I said when I was in the barbershop, and I'm talking to men now, men who coach football, men who are married, men who have kids, and it's the same dynamic, right? I ask about us, they respond about them. They won't let us, they won't let us be free. So I think at a certain point, we're going to have to have some introspective conversations because this is no longer about law and policy, right? Civil Rights Act was in 1964, Voting Rights Act, Fair Housing, all of those things have, have, were signed a generation ago. We no longer need Judge Judy. A lot of black folk need Dr. Phil. And, we, and he needs to ask us, well, well, tell me, show me where it hurts so that we can begin to feel whole again. And that's what happens when you, when you move your identity off of the fact that you are created in God's image, in his likeness, and bear the stamp of, of dignity and worth that is inherent to who you are as a created being. 
and you put it on a sense of racial identity. Because the same way you feel up when Obama gets elected in 2008, you feel down when Trump gets elected in 2016. And you see that dynamic playing out in our, in our communities every day. And that's why I said so many black folk, and I don't care how much money they make or, or uh, how many HBCUs they went to, how many degrees they have on the wall, I don't care what their Instagram pictures look like, the minute they think there's a white person somewhere who doesn't like them and affirm them, they crumble to pieces. <laughs> Jimmy, D, I'm gonna let you go, but I do wanna tell you, I'm gonna squeal on Jimmy. Jimmy saw you last night on national TV on, I think, Laura Ingram's show, and he came in and said, I don't think D's going to come in. He's going to want to renegotiate, Jason. He done made it. I said, man, I, that, that's not what I said, D. <laughs> D you ever seen the movie that. Life? Oh, yeah, D, you I've ever seen, seen the movie Life? Mm-hmm. Okay. I can, I'm going to tell you exactly what I said. I said, hey. One going across the gun line, boss. One going across the gun line. We better get him back here. Mm-hmm. I thought you was heading off the greener pastures. Nah, I, li- I like it here. I told him he was. Yeah, I told him he would stay solid. I told. I, I can trust. I can trust a lot of him. He ain't gonna run off on me like that. Okay, he, 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 he ain't gonna be running off to hang out with Rachel. She mad now. Nah, <laughs> nah that definitely ain't gonna happen. Thank you. Thank you, D. Thank you, guys. Uh, Appreciate it. Uh, our friends over at uh, Built Bar have become an important part of my daily routine, especially in my fight to shed some pounds and get in shape. Their protein bars are low in sugar, and most of them are under 150 calories as well. Even more importantly, they're full of great taste and flavor. With tons of great flavors to choose from, the cookie dough chunk, mint brownie, coconut almond, and new flavors mm. like peanut butter, peanut butter brownie, Built Bars stay innovative to keep giving you the best product possible. You'll never look at those other protein bars that you get from the grocery store the same way again after trying your first Built Bar. But stop waiting around and listening to me. Go and order your very own Built Bars right now. Go to Built.com and use promo code FEARLESS to save 15% off your first order. Use promo code FEARLESS for 15% off at Built.com. All right, welcome back. Time to roll out to Los Angeles and visit with our good friend, uh, TJ Hushmanzada. Uh, he's an analyst for Fox Sports, obviously anti, uh, anti, the former Bengal Pro Bowl wide receiver and one of Uncle Jimmy's favorite people. One of my favorite people. One, uh, uh, I take pride in having an NFL player who dodges me. On Madden. Yeah, I take great yeah. pride in it. I don't blame you for doing that. All right, uh, TJ, uh, the Washington football team and the New York Giants actually played a decent football game last night. I think a lot of people went into that game thinking, man, Washington needs to sign Cam Newton if they want to have a chance. What's the name? Taylor Heineke or whatever actually looked pretty good, and, and Washington pulled it out. Do you think Washington has the right quarterback to finish out this season, or should they still consider Cam Newton? They never would. Or they, Cam Newton is not playing with Washington. Ryan, something happened in Carolina that is not being released publicly. Something happened. There's just no way that Ron Rivera, they draft Cam Newton number one, they go to a Super Bowl, he's an MVP. And we talked last year, they didn't sign him. They could have signed. 
something went on between Cam Newton and Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera being a former player, he's not going to say much. Cam Newton obviously isn't going to say much about it. I, I believe something happened. But last night's game, it was fantastic. The Giants came out rolling with them first 15 plays, and then it was, what happened? Coach Garrett, the creativity was gone after the first 15. I don't know if you guys remember this. Joe Judge said at his introductory news conference, we will play fundamentally sound, and we will not beat ourselves. So go figure. You know, you say that, TJ, but I got pissed off early in the game when they took that touchdown off the board. Daniel Jones uh, ran in a touchdown, a long run, and they called a bogus holding penalty on the wide receiver. And, and I think, yeah, the Giants ended up having to settle for a field goal. And I was like, man, them four points – are going to come back to haunt the Giants, and the refs stole those four points from. There's just no – you play wide receiver. No way that you can call that holding. That's not, that's not holding. That's not holding at all. I, I watched the game, and I was like, what? The DB wasn't even trying to make a play on the ball. He was just like, act like you're blocking me so I don't get in trouble when we watch film. Like, that's not a holding call. But that happens all the time, and it's not just a holding eight. The Washington one, Jonathan Allen was held on a, a pass play where the Giants got a nice game. They didn't call holding on that. It happens so often, that, and that's why I believe they need a booth referee to look at certain calls that may or may not be seen and, and make that because somebody should have overruled them and said, no, it's holding. Yeah, Washington, the sideline, you guys are going to be pissed off, but it's the right call. I, I, I've been arguing that for a long time, that there should be a booth referee at this point. No way the people at home should be far more informed than the actual referees on the field. Uh, let's move especially to with bigger betting, topics. Especially with betting moving into the NFL. You got people betting big money on this. Yeah. All right, let, let's move to teams that I think actually are more interesting than Washington and, and the Giants. And I, it comes down to me, the biggest stories from last weekend, and, and I still a big story moving into this weekend, Lamar Jackson fumbles twice, costs Baltimore a game against the Raiders. Aaron Rodgers looks horrendous. I don't know if he's ever played a worse game. The Packers get beat by the Saints. Who has a better season this year, Lamar Jackson or the reigning MVP, Aaron Rodgers? Man, were we certain that Jameis Winston wasn't playing for the Packers and Rodgers was playing for the Saints? Like, were we certain of that? I'm going to say Aaron Rodgers has a better season, and I'll tell you why. You just look at the division. Aaron Rodgers, he plays Detroit twice. He plays Chicago twice. And, and that division, and he plays the Vikings twice that, that let the Bengals pretty much do whatever they wanted on offense. The, the AFC North with Cleveland twice, Pittsburgh twice, and say what you want about the Bengals the way they look in game one, it's going to be tough sledding for Lamar. Lamar didn't play a bad game. It's just those fumbles – they're heightened because it was a tight game. That offensive line for the Ravens, unless the Raiders' defensive line is that great, they did not look good blocking that defensive line from the Raiders. And conversely, they didn't get pressure on David Carr. Wink Martindale is running all these damn cover zeros, 
throughout the course of the game. Like when they're in tight splits, you have to audible out of cover zero. It's hard for a defensive player to play press man and cover zero. And so I'm going to go with Aaron Rodgers. I believe he will rebound. Lamar Jackson is going to have a good season, but I believe Aaron Rodgers will be better. The, the I tend to agree with you. I think you've made an excellent argument in terms of the difference in the division. It's hard to argue the other side of that. Where I do think there may be a difference is I'm just Lamar Jackson. Football is so important, and he's so all in on football. And I'm just not sure if Aaron Rodgers is there at this point mentally. I think he's kind of over football, and he's certainly over the Green Bay Packers. And so when I look at him play that poorly against the Saints, I go, that's between the ears. That's a guy who's a short-term, short-time employee in Green Bay, who's frustrated, who's got things going on in his personal life, and that's what I think potentially could haunt Aaron Rodgers throughout this season is he's just not into the game of football right now and may not recapture that or may not recapture it until 2022. What do you say to that? He's prideful. With, you, you know, I, I believe he's, he's not fed up with football. I, I believe he is fed up with the Green Bay Packers, but he is prideful. And, and so – that was a wake up for him. He's not, he's not just going to let that go like that. He, he's going to consciously be more aware of how he's preparing. Just that was an awful game for a all time great quarterback to play. Like you just don't see great quarterbacks play and have that type of game. And lucky for him, he has the old Detroit Lions coming in this week. It just, I just have a hard time looking at Aaron Rodgers and say he can play that bad again. But you lose your center, Corey Lindsey, to the San Diego or San Diego to the LA Chargers. And David Bakhtiari, your left tackle, isn't back from uh, tearing his knee up last year. You lose two really good players. And we're, we're not just talking starters, they're really good at their position throughout the NFL. It's going to affect any quarterback. So. We'll end the Lamar, Aaron, with this question. You've already said the Packers play the Lions on Monday night football. Sunday night football, Lamar Jackson faces Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs in the showcase game of of the weekend. Uh, Lamar obviously facing stiffer competition, but Aaron Rodgers is facing a game that on paper they should win. Who needs this win more? Lamar or Aaron Rodgers this weekend? Who, who Can one of them afford an 0-2 start and the other can't? Baltimore can afford it because they can't do nothing, anything about it. <laughs> they can't do anything about starting 0-2. They're not beating the Chiefs. They couldn't slow down the Raiders. If you couldn't slow the Raiders offense down, how are you going to slow Patrick Mahomes, Tyree Kill, Travis? You're not slowing that down. And so... Neither team wants to start 0-2. Baltimore has no choice. Mm, I hope you're right. Jimmy, that's music to my ears. Said the, the Chiefs guarantee. Because we look pretty sloppy early on against the Cleveland Browns. I'm not as confident as TJ, but I hope you're right. All right, the, the other uh, on the – You po- doubt pretty Ricky? Come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> on the other side of the argument <laughs> – 
The two quarterbacks that looked the best last weekend, Jameis Winston throws five TDs and knocks off the Packers. Matt Stafford and the Rams, they roll over the Chicago Bears. What? What are you looking at? You ain't going to say Kyler Murray. Because he was outshined by Chandler Jones, the defensive side of the ball. Kyler Murray looked great. But to me, the, DJ. the quarterbacks of the weekend were Jameis Winston and Matt Stafford. Uh, obviously, Stafford has a better reputation, but, he, you know, he ain't never really won nothing in the NFL. Which one of these guys sustains this throughout the 17-game NFL season? Better season, Jameis Winston or Matt Stafford? Man, Jason, you coming with some questions that they – these questions and comparisons – aren't easy at all. I'm sitting here looking like <laughs> I can go either way with this. But I, I believe the Rams will have a better season and quarterbacks are predominantly judged on wins and losses. And, and so I, I go with Matthew Stafford. Jameis Winston threw five touchdowns. He didn't throw for a ton of yards. And, and it, it sucks that I'm saying this because I actually – I want to see Jameis do well. I believe he will do it. Sean Payton is just a hell of a coach, man. You lose these coaches through COVID, and he just does such a great job of getting his quarterbacks to understand where to go with the ball, what to do. I mean, Drew Brees gets hurt. Bridgewater goes undefeated. Taysom Hill looks like a quarterback when he's playing, and Jameis Winston looks like the first pick when he's playing for Sean Payton in New Orleans Saints. But I just believe – Stafford is just as talented, more weapons. The team will have more success being the Los Angeles Rams, so I will go with Matthew Stafford. I'm going to argue the other side to say, Jameis threw five TDs, and if I'm right, no Michael Thomas. He, he won't, he's not playing as of yet. They're going to add to that offense. He's got Alvin Kamara in the backfield. Uh... And he's, I like Sean Payton more than I like Sean McVay. Not that I dislike Sean McVay all that much or anything. But, but I think eventually uh, the Saints are going to have more weapons. They, they've been winning with old Drew Brees, and now they got a young quarterback who's got a lot to prove. And, and in order to get paid, Jameis Winston has to perform. And so I just think with all that pressure and opportunity sitting in front of Jameis Winston, he, he, he's, he's, and I hate to say it because I'm going to regret it because he'll blow up in my face probably this weekend and throw 10 interceptions. But I, I, there's so much opportunity out there for Jameis Winston. I just think he's going to take advantage of it. And, and the next thing you know, next year Jameis Winston or the year after is going to have one of these $150 million contracts. And then he'll be he'll go on the toilet. Uh. <laughs> you know who Jameis Winston is, right? Oh, Jameis Winston is your drunk cousin that you ain't never invited to no to no Thanksgiving dinners in a long time because every you know it you you gonna invite Jameis Winston to Thanksgiving dinner this year and you know midway before halftime you gonna hear some glass break. <laughs> <laughs> there will be drama. All right. Uh, TJ, we'll let you out of here uh, talking about Urban Meyer. There's rumors. Uh, about Urban and perhaps USC. You know, I think a lot of people believe USC should have given him the job two years ago. Uh, college is a better fit 
I think for Urban Meyer, there's already whispers that, you know, NFL players don't like Urban Meyer or whatever. Should Urban Meyer leave Jacksonville for USC? I believe he should. I don't believe he will. Um, when, when we were at Fox but before COVID, I remember being in the green room and I just said in the avocado room, I said, hey, coach, you're taking a job. And he just turns around and smiles at me and was like, if I do, you're going to help me. And so SC blew it. They, they should have got rid of Clay Helton last year. I just don't know if Urban Meyer can take the SC job. If he's looking at it, this is my last stop. Of course, you can leave and you can care what they say about you as a person, your reputation. But college football in the NFL is so different. And I've known coaches that have gone from college to the NFL. And the first thing they say to me is, I have more free time and I don't have to worry about recruiting. When you get up there in age and you know Urban Meyer has had problems at Ohio State just being so stressed out, all that traveling, man, and recruiting, you don't do this in the NFL. Like college football season ends, they don't get a break. They're on airplanes. They're sitting in people's living rooms trying to recruit their son. NFL season ends, you get a little break. And so I believe he's going to see that. He's going to enjoy that free time that he's never really had during a season. But I believe he should take the job. I just don't think he will. Jimmy, you got any final thoughts for uh, your Madden nemesis? I don't know, He's running I, from I, me. I, He's running from me. I sent him a friend request. He, he, he didn't even he, accept he's it. He's enjoying doing TikTok videos with Darnell. <laughs> he's enjoying hey, doing I, TikTok videos hey, with Darnell. They be, you know, they be doing their little videos and stuff. I can't to accept my friend request. Like, I thought we was homies. You won't even accept my friend request. You that scared of me. TJ, I don't have a friend request from Pretty Ricky. <laughs> ain't, that your, ain't, ain't that your handle? Ain't that your name? Okay. Hey, Jason, he won't even accept my friend request, man. I'm Debo. I believe it. I believe it. All right, thank you. All right, I <laughs> hey, want to tell you guys, uh, if you're tired of getting the same boring foods and meals from your local grocery store, then you need to go see our friends over at Good Ranchers. Their food selections, like Prime Seafood, The Cattleman, and The Ranchers Classic are tremendous. And even better, they'll provide a fantastic meal for you and everyone else in your family. And more importantly, throw their, their food is all sourced from farms right here in America. 100% American farm raised. You will not find great tasting quality food like this from anywhere else. If you subscribe, you'll get $20 off and free express shipping. Get steakhouse quality for less than $5 per meal. Go to GoodRanchers.com fearless to get $20 off and free express shipping. That's GoodRanchers.com fearless. All right, welcome back. Ah, Jason Whitlock, Fearless. It's Friday. We're almost to the weekend, baby. Uh, I want to circle back, though, and talk about uh, Nicki Minaj and the what they're calling, I guess, ball gate. I, I don't Why are they calling it ball gate? Isn't it testicle gate? Uh, but I guess ball gate sounds better. But uh, there was a doctor uh, from Trinidad who had some thoughts on on ball gate. And so let's listen to this clip, and then I got my own doctor I want to bring in on this. 
to expose your cousin friend's flat tire in the public domain like that. If the man have a flat tire, okay, he will work on that. You know, there, there, there's herbs and, 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 and punch and certain things the man can eat and bring back our vibes. Mm. A flat tire, that's what they call it in now, I guess now. A flat, I've never had a flat tire. I don't know what he's talking about. But uh, in light of all that uh, ball gate, I guess in, in social media they call it uh, misinformation, I decided to bring in a world-renowned doctor. Uh, he started out as a gynecologist. Now he's an expert on balls, uh, Dr. Jimmy uh, Tutu. Dr. Tutu, uh, the floor is yours. Actually, I am now studying to be a proctologist. <laughs> Specializing in dealing with the likes of you. <laughs> Dr. Tutu, uh, do you have any thoughts about your compadre from Trinidad Tobacco or Tobago or whatever? Well, first of all, I would like to say that if you're going to say it, I would like for you to pronounce it correctly. It's Trinidad Tobacco. Tobagalo? Trinidad Tobagalo. Tobagalo, I'm sorry. And, and, and I would like to say, first of all, the girl, Nicki Minaj. Yes. What is wrong with the girl? What is wrong with the Ain't child? What's wrong with Nicki? She, she, she's out here spreading uh, false rumors and innuendos. She, 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 she's out here saying that the, the men of Trinidad Tobagalo, she, she, she's saying that nobody in our country wants to be known now, 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 now that she's, nobody in our country wants to be known as a big baller anymore. <laughs> Thanks to Nikki and her shenanigans. Oh, you're, you seem offended that she insinuated there's an impotence problem, uh, perhaps in your country? We, the people of Trinidad, are the indigenous indigo people. <laughs> we are a very, very proud people. Unlike you Americans, we take great pride and being hung like a runaway slave. <laughs> Ever since we were giving our birthright as little bitty babies, when we are born, we have the strength of 10 rhinos. <laughs> and I'm here to tell Nikki, in the words of Millie and Vanilli, girl, you know it's true. <laughs> Once we as the men of Chabago start burning, churning, and turning, <laughs> it'll have the berries and the juices burning her on her molecules, expanding her neutrons, <laughs> causing her to babble and speak in tongue and say, hit me in the proton, baby! <laughs> this is my problem I have with Nikki. Nikki has eight trillion Twitter followers. Yes. And you are going around telling the people, I don't care if you want to spell, spread false rumors about the vaccine. Dr. Fauci do it all the time. Nothing's going to happen to you. <laughs> but I need to know, Nikki, in our country, when a man have a flat tire, it is the woman's job to blow it up. <laughs> this is why in our country, if we give a woman roses to put up on her piano, should we not wake up and expect tulips on our organ? <laughs> tulips on the organ. This is all I'm asking, my brother. 
wonder if, if uh, YouTube's going to allow this, Dr. Tutu. I, I'm just trying to settle some facts. <laughs> I'm just trying to settle some things already. I would like to get some misinformation and some misnomers out there. The strength of a rhinoceros. The strength of a rhino. <laughs> I, I meant a great pride in this. <laughs> All right, uh, Dr. Tutu, do you care to do an approval rating on Joy Reid or, or is Uncle Jimmy gonna do that? I will do it myself. It's no sense in coming back. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> uh, Joy Reid, the MSNBC ho host, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what did I, I, I call her a host. I didn't, anyway. Uh, I put the H-O-S-T on. <laughs> she's a overseer for MSNBC. It's her job to police black thought. She does a decent job, not a great job. They, I give her a 16 in job performance. For her job performance at this stage of the game, I will give her an 11. Her job performance is starting to sag like her boobs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, character... Uh, she's abandoned all of her beliefs to collect that check. Uh, so I give for character, I say one. I find her to be one of the few people over at Miss NBC that is true to her character. Can you not say that she does not look like a Klingon? <laughs> Take a look for yourself. That is a damn Klingon if I've ever seen one. Oh, we're going to get in trouble. Uh, authenticity. Uh, I don't think she's authentic at all. I give her a zero for authenticity. She is not about that life. She brings disservice to the men of my country. Mm. <laughs> oh, you from Klingon? Are you from, is that a country Klingon? Uh, it factor. Uh, she ain't got it for me. She, she can't decide on which weave she wants to wear. So how's she gonna have an it factor? She can't even commit to a hairstyle. I give her two for it factor. Say what you want to about this beast. <laughs> she is in the daily rotation of that industry. Say what you want to. She is being paid and she's eating at the top of the food line. Mm. So you like you got a 21 it factor. I give her a 21. Uh, I've got her at a total score of 19, the lowest score I've given so far. She's a complete dumpster fire. Uh, you've got Joy Reid candle lit at 57. I still will admit that there is something that happens within her that makes the juices within my loins want to run wild. <laughs> <laughs> Believe uh, me, if I got my hands on Joy Reid, it would be something unbelievable to see. Or should I say in the words of Joy, unbeweavable. <laughs> you know what, let me say this. May I say this? In true defense of Nicki Minaj. Yeah. Nicki, you better be glad that Joy did not come and headbutt you. That could be the end of your career right there. <laughs> All right, I hear tomorrow, I hear the weekend. We're done, we'll see you on Monday. We all wanna be free. We want freedom. I just want, I wanna be. I just want, I wanna be. I just want, I wanna be. I just. Wanna, I wanna be, I just